Hey there, welcome to Souls and Hearts, Be With the Word. And I'm Dr. Jerry Crete uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here today with... I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski in Indianapolis, Indiana. And this is our weekly show where we reflect on the Sunday readings and we give you a psychological perspective uh, as we explore them. And we give you some themes that we each independently came up with and some action items and takeaways that hopefully you can you know, use and, and bring into your lives. But uh, just want to start off by saying, hey, Dr. Peter, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Jerry. It's good to be here with all of our people, souls and hearts, be with the word. So. Yes. And this is the first Sunday of Lent. Yes. So uh, we're talking about that and that's exciting. So we're entering another penitential season, which is really cool because we started this program at Advent, which is actually a penitential season yes. of its own. And, but this is the big one. Yeah, we've made yes. it all the way here. So yes. yeah, I was reflecting on that a little bit too. Like this is, we've been doing this for a while now, Dr. Jerry. We have been doing this for a while now. So This is episode, I want to say 14? Something like that. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's 14. 14. Yeah. So yeah, this has been 14 weeks so far. And I've really grown a lot spiritually, I feel. And, and just my understanding of the readings. And I am just love seeing the connections between the various readings and how it fits into the life of the church and the liturgical season. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we got a lot to go through today because these are biggies. This is like salvation history right in front of us. Right here, <laughs> right here, live. So, yeah, yeah. So, so. And it's interesting because there's a lot of like spiritual like takes on this. What we're going to be bringing you are psychological takes. So, this is actually maybe some stuff you've never thought about or never heard before that's what we're kind of bringing here it's like how does this impact us on the natural level so yeah because um, i'm sure you could read a lot on genesis you could read a lot on all these different books obviously in lots of different places but we mm -hmm. want to give you something different and unique hopefully every right. single week um so what did you have as a big theme so i was really struck by um how giving into temptations usually begins by doubting God's goodness and love. That's the entry point. What in our experience leads us to be inclined or to be vulnerable, to be tempted, to start saying, maybe God doesn't have my best interests in mind. That comes out in Genesis, and then you see it repeated in Matthew. Um, in the gospel today. So, so that's like, you know, the, the, this whole being of, of, of Satan is a, he's, he's a personal being, right? He's not just some sort of abstract evil force or something like that. He's a person and he relates with us in a personal way. And that really struck me as I was reading about this. So all of the things that we bring to our relationships are operative when we're being tempted. And so we can look at this not only from a or not only from a spiritual perspective, but also from a psychological perspective. So, great. All right. Well, my takeaway or my theme, I mean, was interestingly close in some ways. But um, I said our temptations reveal our true needs. So mm -hmm. I really I want to that. explore what 
the particular things we're each tempted by actually reflect something about a, an actual licit or true or good, even a good. A good but need. it's been disordered in some way and we're trying to seek that good out in right. a not so good way. Right. So that's what we're, I'm going to look at. And I think that goes well with that's, your... Yeah, that dovetails, right? Because that's if we begin to doubt that God is actually going to meet that need in some um, good way, right? Mm-hmm. Then we may seek to have that need met in some, some way that's really maladaptive, really problematic, really sinful, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so what we do next is we read the readings to you. So these ones are a little longer, some of them, but uh, they're meaty and they're very good, obviously. Well, they're always good. Um, uh, so we have, we'll, a, we, have a, we have a deal with the word. Dr. Jerry has just proclaimed scripture is good. Thank, thank you, Jerry. <laughs> profound, profound thoughts. Profound thoughts. Scripture is good. <laughs> so... So yes, I will read from the good book. And, uh, and obviously, if you don't want to hear it read to you, you can skip. It's just a couple of minutes. But we hope you will rejoin us uh, you know, when we get to our discussion. Uh, otherwise, sit back and enjoy the reading. And uh, this will hopefully prepare you for Mass on Sunday or be a post-Mass reflection, either way, or just a yeah. Bible study. <laughs> All right. So the first reading is from the book of Genesis. Um, And it's from the second chapter. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food. With the tree of life in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat or even touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. So the second reading is a letter, it's from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. And this is taken from chapter five. Brothers and sisters, Through one man, sin entered the world, and through sin, death. And thus death came to all men, inasmuch as all sinned. For if, by the transgression of the one, death came to reign through that one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of justification 
come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. In conclusion, just as, though, just as through one transgression condemned, condemnation came upon all, so through one righteous act, acquittal, and life came to all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And from the Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. <clears throat> then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, all these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. All right. Those are epic readings. And you know, I was extremely tempted, but I refrained from trying to do the voice of Gollum. You were, were going to do the voice of Gollum. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, I was just about to say that. It was like, you really wanted to. I so wanted to. And, and I got to be the devil in two different readings in one day. I know. I know. I thought. And you know, I don't know, I don't know how many people know this, but when Jerry sings, he sings the, 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 the double bass, right? He's the deep bass. So he can, right. he can really bring it on That's if he right. wants to. I could be a very bad devil. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I chose to do it, you know, right. stay cool and chill, right. not to distract. Right, right. Right. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, That's thanks. Um, well, so we got heavy stuff. We got heavy stuff. What's Lord. on your mind, Peter? So I, I'm, I, I'm, again, really struck. I mentioned this in the opening that, you know, it's fashionable these days uh, and has been uh, since the 70s. To think, to, to sort of diminish the role of the devil, right? To sort of like, and, and some people, there's a lot of Christians that don't even believe the devil exists. You know, it's just some sort of mythological figure, just some sort of, um, of uh, embodiment of evil, sort of an abstract symbol, that, all that kind of stuff. And these readings really give that position the lie. Basically, it says, look, that is not how it is. The devil is a personal being, an angel, fallen angel, Lucifer, right? The most powerful of the angels or the most honored of the angels. Um, and so 
um, he is tempting through relating. You know, he's tempting through relating. And so I was really struck by the personal nature of the devil. And then I was also really struck by the humanity of Jesus, you know, because after the 40 days of fasting, he was hungry, right? And then after all the temptation was over, angels came and ministered to him because he was in need. He was in need at that, in his humanity, he was in need. He suffered through those temptations terribly. Right. So angels came to him. So those two things really stood out to me. Great. What, oh, was, cool. what, was, what was, so, I don't know. There's so much, honestly, it's hard to get my, to wrap my brain around it, but, but there's a few things maybe um, that I will say. Um, the fact that Jesus was hungry, like you mentioned, I think right. it's such a cool statement. Obviously, he was hungry. He's human and he needs food. But, um, the, but that is his real need, right? His real need was, was hunger. Like he had, if he's out in the desert, even if he's doing, you know, some kind of process where he's praying and fasting and all that, he had an actual real need. And you can see that um, Satan here comes in and tries to get him you know, to distort nature itself in order to have his need met. So Satan is the master at getting us, getting to our actual needs, because there's nothing wrong with being hungry. (laughs) We all are hungry sometimes. That's a normal, true need. But he wants to distort it into something that will give him power, that will, will, will cause, you know, or cause us to in some way, you know, move away from God. Right. So if, God, if Jesus was to start using, for example, his power, you know, um, you know, inappropriately for his own gain, for his own glory, in a sense, for worldly riches, for worldly power, that's all going to be a distortion of something. And right. so that's kind of why my big theme was our temptations reveal our true needs. And, and I know like one of my favorite, I think I've, I, I mentioned this in the course, um, uh, that's coming out on, um, you know, for couples and, and, and dealing with pornography. But um, this quote that I used to give to Chesterton, but in fact was not Chesterton, is every, every <laughs> I found out later, some priest. But anyway, the, the point is the quote is fantastic. It's every man that enters a brothel is seeking the face of God. Mm-hmm. And that's a disturb, a little bit disturbing or a little like mm-hmm. kind of has a little shock value to it. But I think there's a truth. It's like, what do we really want? You know, if we're looking for something illicit in, say, for example, a brothel or pornography or something, what we're we're really seeking is intimacy and ultimately intimacy with God. Right. And it's so distorted that it's manifesting itself in this other way. Well, and I'd look at that hunger because he was also alone for those 40 days. Right. You know, the companionship relationship He's in the desert. It's not just a physical hunger, but there's also a relational hunger. Right. And so the devil comes in at that moment. Right. Saying, basically, connect with me. We can work together. We can we can cooperate, you know. And so, yeah, the, there's plenty of reasons to kind of want to go along when he's when he's capitalizing on these legitimate human natural needs. And yeah. uh, so yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always fascinating to think about Adam and Eve because there's just so much we don't know. And and there's it opens up questions always for right. me. They could send me down into 
philosophical and theological little rabbit trails <laughs> of all kinds. Because I, I, mean, I just sort of wonder to myself, well, what needs did Eve had, have? You know, uh, were her needs not being met? And, and of course, I don't know that we can answer that. But um, her need, in a sense, was obviously connection, I believe anyway, connection and communion with God. And that she had in that garden, she had this, you know, um, you know, communication with God and communication with Adam that was innocent and pure. And that was her whole need mm-hmm. is my mm-hmm. take on it anyway. Well, and yeah, so what, what, how did he get to her? How did he get yes. to her? Right, yeah. right, right. Well, you know, he started with, um, with just a sort of flat out untruth you know god, did god tell you did god really tell you not to eat from any of the trees of the garden right mm-hmm. but what is that that's an invitation to dialogue the, he knows the devil knows it's not true right. right but it's an invitation to dialogue like let's get into relationship here let's you know let's and, and when he's doing that because um he's he's irredeemably lost right there is no goodness left in him he's probing for her weaknesses like he doesn't know everything right um and ultimately right gets her to begin to to doubt what um what god said you know Mm -hmm. because if she wasn't doubting it she wouldn't have eaten the fruit like you know if she if she had believed that she would die if she ate it it wouldn't be in her interest to eat it Right, but she wanted to become like God, right? Could, which could be in a, a desire to be with God, right? Mm-hmm. In a in a way that was not ordered to her at that time, right? So you know there was a you know going back to your point, what are the goods we're seeking, right? right. When we're tempted, right? What's the what's the temp, the temptation? You know, is ordered to a need, right? right? That tells us something about you know ourselves. And we're right. vulnerable. Right? Right. And there's a good in seeking that that's getting distorted. Mm-hmm. We're going to hammer away at that point because I, so, I think it's so important because there's a lot of misunderstandings about how temptations work. You know, I mean, I, I see this clinically all the time. People have very uh, different uh, notions about like, how temptation actually happens. So a lot of people don't think about it at all. Right? They don't actually think that <laughs> this is all going on. And then some people are very much caught up into every internal experience is the devil, you know, and we want to sort of sort through like, what does that actually look like in a, right. in both a spiritually reasonable way and a psychologically reasonable way? Yeah. Yeah. Because so many times I think we go after things or we put a lot of energy in things and we're not really aware of why we're doing that. Like we have some notion, Hey, I want to, make more money or I want to provide for my family or I want to, um, you know, be noticed or I want success. Mm-hmm. And yet we don't really break that down in terms of understanding why are we pursuing this? What is, but underneath that, right. not every desire for, you know, success is necessarily bad. It's not, right. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying like, do we spend any time breaking it down to understand what we're doing well this is where where i would say instead of dialoguing with the devil like eve did right let's let's actually repudiate the devil like our lord did and then dialogue with ourselves right what parts of us are seeking something Mm. 
in this temptation, right? Can we get in touch with, right, which is an inner dialogue. You know, again, I'm very intrapsychic, so I'm very much interested in what's the inner communication like between the parts of ourselves that, are aware, that we're aware of and the parts of ourselves that maybe we're not that aware of because we've suppressed them, right? So a lot of times there's just a, a resisting of temptation, but an ignoring of the need that that temptation is focused on, right? right? So if, if the temptation is, I don't know, to, um, I don't know, get drunk, Mm-hmm. Or if the temptation, yeah, or get high or something like that. So if that's the temptation and there's a part of me that wants to basically do that action and, and then it's sort of driving the ship and it's sort of driving, right? right? It's powerful. It's a strong urge. Okay. Right. But if we slowed it down and said, okay, what's, what's underneath that? What's behind that? Why is there a part of me that is on a crash course for destruction in some way or crash course, you know, cause it, you know, right. might be fun for a while, but then it's, then everything falls apart after. Right. So right. why, why, why is there a part of me that wants uh, things to not play out? Well, why does there a part of me that wants to self-sabotage? Well, typically the parts don't want to self-sabotage, but they, they're not looking at the consequences. I, I, so I, I doubt that it's usually there's sometimes where there are parts that actually want to prevent different kinds of success because they fear what that would lead to. But a lot right. of times there's just not a consideration of like, what's the other side of this? The, the need is more immediate, right? Okay. You know, it's sort of like worrying about your cholesterol isn't a big concern if you're starving. Right. And, and, and there's something to eat, you know? So there's like, you know, less of a consideration of what happens on the other side, because okay. sometimes the parts of us are desperate, you know, like uh, when I look at, uh, you know, alcohol use, uh, you know, you know, that's overdone, uh, drinking, masturbation, pornography, you know, there can be a whole lot of reasons that have nothing to do really with the pleasure of it. And a lot of times Catholics come into my office and they think it's all about vice. They think that, they're, that they just are vicious. They want something, and it's a very, a very um, unsophisticated way of looking at it. And sometimes they don't want to actually go at and understand what, what lies there deeper, because that's even more threatening to know that I have a need for human affection, you know, or mm-hmm. to know that I have a need to, um, you know, to be able to uh, feel um, valued you know, or worthy in some way. See, that's kind of where I was getting at though, because, and, and there's also different ways one could look at this right. and we're talking in such general terms, but I would have thought that that course for, as I put it, self-destruction, and maybe it's not a true self-sabotage effort, but it's, it's to blot out something. It's to blot out some pain or it's right. to blot out right. some, and in order, because there's maybe another part of me that is actually suffering in some way. There's another part right. of me that is, sad or feels shame mm-hmm. or feels hurt mm-hmm. and that's intolerable mm-hmm. right i cannot bear to 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 even see that or sit with that let alone my goodness tend to it right. so so it's a lot so this other part if you will is is kind of coming in to just make that go away right right, right. and that can be and so that outward manifestation of make that go away can involve sin. It can involve oh, yeah. ac- actions that are not healthy, that are harmful. 
Right. So I was, I was, you know, and, 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 and some of it has to do with our relationship with God too, because I, I work with a lot of, of younger people and a lot of young men who are struggling with purity. Right. And one of the things I noticed is that when things are really going well um, and they're starting to feel really close to God, you know, that's when you're going to see some kind of sin against purity. And as I started to explore this, I began to realize, why is it? Because it was mystifying to them. Like, why is it when things are going really well that I fall into this sin? And when we got underneath as to what the need was, their model of relationship was fusion. Right? That's, how they, that's how they related, was by fusing. And so when they started to feel close to God, then alarm bells went off because they knew that if they fused with God, they would be lost. And wow. they didn't understand that God wants to respect the boundary around them and relate with them closely, not absorb them into him so that they would be lost, right? So the, the sin was a way to save themselves from being annihilated by the love of God. That was the distortion. It was unconscious. It wasn't, you know, wasn't, it's not where they are theologically. It's not what they believe in terms of their head, but right. they're, they were reacting at an extremely, an extremely scared way. Yeah. You know, uh, to be able to like survive, right? And so this is the kind of thing that you can find if you actually get beneath the temptation. Right. These guys wanted to do is they wanted to fight it just at the level of behavior, right? They wanted to just not do whatever sinful act they were doing. Right? Just if they could just stop it, their life would be perfect. But God was inviting them into a deeper relationship, a, a more profound relationship than they could even imagine. But in order to do that, he had to show them a different model of relating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they could work through that. And that's one of the reasons why I think, and I'm not, I, I can't read their souls, but I think that's why God was allowing the temptation is to be able to bring them into a deeper relationship through it. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. I love the way you said that. And, and I, um, and you use fusion, which is a fantastic marriage and family therapy term, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Intrapsychic. So, so, but it's about fusion. Yeah. Cause, cause I love the way you put that. And it actually really gets me thinking because, you know, as much as we want to be close and connected to God, as much as we'll always say that, and we're always like striving to have a better prior life and all this, maybe that's just simply terrifying for most of us. Right. Because any time in our personal lives, when we have been really close to someone, it hasn't ended well. We've also been hurt by that. Right. You know, so I do think that is relevant for a lot of people. And, and so to understand what is and, and you know, and, and some terms for God are a little bit challenging. Right. And some of the ways God is described make it difficult to imagine. Yeah. I want to be completely a hundred percent bonded with that. <laughs> he might, he will smite me in some way if I, if I even go close to him. And so that's frightening. And which actually then takes me to what I think it's worth at least pointing out is what St. Paul has to say, okay. which, which I think is beautiful really, because he's, he's going uh, into pains to talk about how, you know, through one man's sin, Adam, well, it's Adam and Eve, but, you know, sin right. entered the world, that it's through one man's um, self-sacrifice, if you will, that sin is actually destroyed, right? Or, or, that, um, or that we're saved. And so, and he uses the term, um, he says, by the transgression of, of, the, of the one, 
death came to reign through that one, right? How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of transgression, of, uh, sorry, of justification. And if you read the long, we didn't read it, but I'll just mention, if you read the long version, you know, he uses the word gift again. And he uses it in a beautiful way to me. You know, um, you know the gift. He talks about it as the gift. Like Christ's act of salvation is the gift. And it's like that has destroyed death. And that has, so that all men, um, you know, uh, can be restored. So it's, it's the answer, you know what I mean? We're not left with that. We're not left with the disorder. We're not left with, um, in our confusion, and we're not just fused and annihilated. We're actually freed through his love. So, and so the question becomes, can we receive the gift, or do we have to, yeah. we have to somehow try to earn it? You know, and that's that's where we get into a lot of trouble, right? But that idea of the gift, that's really alien because a lot of times we haven't experienced a lot of it, a lot of a life as gift, right? We've got parts that really are doubtful about that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. yeah. So, but that is the answer. And, and you, you know, you, you ask the question, you know, do we earn it? And of course the answer is no, but how do we get that through our, not just into our heads, but into our hearts? Yeah, well, I think it's by being patient with the parts of us that are uh, hesitant because they have reasons, they have experiences, and they've generalized those experiences. Uh, they've overgeneralized them, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think to suppress that actually isn't so helpful as it is to bring that part into relationship with us. And this is what I mean by this inner relationship, you know, rather than dialoguing with Satan with interpretation, let's dialogue with the parts of ourselves that are needy and hoping to get something from this and find to find better ways to 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 connect them with the real goods yeah right so i do believe that our um the core of us is like a bridge between these parts of us that have been um that are that in some ways are lost and to christ right so there's kind of a bridge there um, Mm -hmm. i think um yeah by the way okay just because we are going to have to move to our takeaway soon but this is like such an epic passage. I just want to say that again. Like, I think it's cool to have a passage of Jesus and the devil literally duking it out is unbelievable. And it's so cool. And the fact that the devil used scripture, mm-hmm. right. And that, that just says a lot to me, you know, in other words, hmm, and, and, oh, and wisdom was a term Eve mentions, right? Like the fruit's beautiful to look at. It's tasty, but it also, brings wisdom desirable for wisdom yeah 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 he's so, gonna tempt us with good things he's good bread good uh-huh. thing these are he's not gonna tempt us with with, with but he's gonna use wisdom he's gonna use right. a distorted wisdom right to, and he's clever in order to like even use scripture to trick us and he used scripture after christ used it right christ quoted scripture and then satan kind of quotes satan comes in and quotes scripture he's going to respond to us because again it's a personal relationship it's not just an impersonal force yeah yeah and and the thing that he says though that to me is powerful because i do think a lot of people say this myself included sometimes well if god wanted blah Mm -hmm. he would have blah right Mm -hmm. like or and and or at a more profound level than that is if god you know, if God loved me, he wouldn't have let that happen to me. Right. And that, that's profound. And it's very hard if you're talking to somebody to say, well, you know what, look around, buddy, because 
God hurts, like God allows a lot to happen in the world. Your thing is not, is bad, but it's not the only thing, right? You can't say that to someone who's hurting. But, but in a way, this passage kind of gets at the devil actually wants to make act like, yeah, well, if you fell, if you threw yourself, these angels would just come and take care of you. Right. Because it's a narcissistic view of the world that says, you know, God's going to come in and rescue me from every little thing. Uh, that I happen to need because I'm the center of the universe. <laughs> that's, that's why there's always this tension between faith and doubt, right? And are we going to just go by our human lights, you know, by our human understanding, our natural understanding, or are we going to operate from faith? Because that's what Eve did. She looked at the fruit. She saw it was desirable. It was good to eat. You know, she was using her, just her human, uninformed by divine revelation, Mm-hmm. perspective and when we do that we're going to get in trouble right so this tension between faith and doubt is always an aspect of temptation it seems to me or at least mm-hmm. it's usually the start of it because if he can get us on doubt he can take out faith and then we start to mistrust and we lose hope and then we sin mm-hmm. right against love right it's that it goes in that order faith hope and love that that satan takes these things out right prize to in us Sometimes that happens in like a millisecond. Yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Right. And you can see the consequences are immediate for Adam and Eve, right? They're, they, they, they actually get something of what they want. They see their nakedness, but they, the relationship with God is severed and they're hiding in the brush. Yeah. Now, whereas the triumph of Christ, he's ministered to by angels and he actually gets everything that Satan promised. He is right. the king of the, you know, he is the king of the world. He is, he is taken care of afterward, but he, cause he did it in the right way. He did it in the ordered way, trusting in the father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So how do we combat this? What's our action? What's items? our take? What's our action items? Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to invite and ask again, back to this internal dialogue. In what areas do part of parts of me doubt God's love and protection in these moments of weakness, in these moments of, of temptation? What parts of me, you know, what areas do parts of me doubt God's love? That's the entry point for temptation. And that's what we can bring to prayer. And that's where we can ask for our faith to be strengthened is mm-hmm. in those particular areas. So I'm going to invite that as a, as a reflection and as an inner dialogue, like, where am I hurting? And you, if you actually do that, you'll hear a response, I think, most of the time, you know? So. Wonderful. Okay. What about it. you, Jerry? What do you got? Well, I'm encouraging everybody. This is Lent, and we all have to go to reconciliation. I mean, at an extreme minimum, right? It's once a year. And, right. and, and this will be the time most people do it. And, um, and so as you're preparing to go to reconciliation, do an examination of conscience. So, you know, you go, th- you, you may have a booklet, you may have some guide that helps you do that, but some people use the 10 commandments, but you go through and just, you know, examining the different areas in your life and where sin is present in order to prepare for confession. Well, as you're doing that, I would like to ask you to identify the real good or the real need that is behind the sin. So what, especially if it's a recurring sin, like you've got a sin that you're confessing often, because that's usually a sign, right? There's some kind of pattern. And, and, and so um, those sins are the ones that often tell us, huh, 
what I actually need is this. Right. Right. So if the real need behind it is connection with others or maybe it's self-care of some kind, like just taking care of me, uh, maybe it's um, who knows? I don't know if you've got examples, but um, whatever. Like for those guys that I mentioned, right, that, uh, you know, relating with God in a way that protects and preserves the boundaries. So I won't be, you know, I won't be annihilated, you know, dealing with that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so um, a sense of, cause we don't lose our individuality. We don't lose ourselves in God. We are always us cause he created us uh, uniquely. And so, um, you know, even when we unite with him and we become more sanctified, we're still us. And so um, whatever our need is, maybe our need is to be seen. Maybe our need is to see others, to be close and identify what that is and then stop and think, okay, I'm going to confess wonderful but what am i going to do to actually meet the need in a healthy way in my life so that it's i'm less likely to to re- have these sins be recurrences so yeah. that's love that's, it all right yeah. good stuff well i hope you have a wonderful lent peter yeah i hope you too and i'm going to be talking to you before lent's over right because we're going to continue to do this but we'll right. be continuing to track with each other about it but i i I, yeah i i I want a great lent for you too jerry thank you thank you and for all of our listeners as well we're glad that you've continued (laughs) on the journey with us through the liturgical year yeah yeah so uh this is a great time for renewal a great time to kind of start new and uh so we'll see you uh, next week as we continue through Lent. so peter be still believe be loved Good care. God bless.